Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are talking Survivor 43, Episode 10, Get That Money, Baby. Evan, what did you think of the episode? Well, I'd like to buy a vowel and uh, flip it over to you first because I want to get your thoughts. Okay, so I think that it wasn't a bad episode. I think it was an interesting episode because of a few things. I thought that... Noelle's win was significant in the reward. Uh, I liked that. I liked seeing that come from behind and overcoming the odds of like they designed this challenge that she uh, really didn't seem like she had a chance to actually even complete. And yet she did. And not only did she complete it, she won it. So I thought that that was like a nice sort of midway point in the episode. I liked seeing the letters from home. It was like a nice callback. We don't really see that anymore. And I re- I really had this feeling where it was like, oh, actually, I this is how I want to get to know people. It's like, we don't need the clip packages from home and them telling us who they are. This is a great way to learn about people organically through the game is letters from home. And it just struck me because, you know, we're rewatching Borneo and I just watched uh, a letters from home episode. And it was like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of missed the letters from home. Um, And then what I, what I actually, at first I wasn't crazy about it and there's things I don't love, but the, the Jesse's checklist, which was one of their editing flourishes I don't love the editing flourish of it, but what I liked was that we were given all the information that went into the vote and it wasn't a misdirect because watching it, I'm just conditioned to think it's a misdirect and that actually like Jesse's going to go home or something like that. But ultimately Jesse's plan was pulled off. Is it like a little heavy handed to tell us how amazing Jesse is? Yeah, but I appreciate that we got all of the information and all of the strategy that went into the vote because so often we're left scratching our heads at the end of an episode going, well, how did that come together? So like I appreciated that as sort of like an experimental format to the show. It's not, not that it's experimental, but it's just a little bit more straightforward of storytelling from the show. And I felt like uh, I understood the story. It had a beginning, middle and end. And, and I appreciated that. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective that I hadn't considered. I think the one thing for me with that Jesse vote of it all is it just felt like a pretty easy vote and a pretty easy... Like, I don't think he was coming up with sort of any sort of masterful plan here. It seemed like he chose someone that perhaps wasn't expecting it. Um, But I think with Noelle's reaction to getting the boot, you can kind of get the sense that she knew either what was up or she was told right before Tribal that it was going to happen. But... There have been times in the past where a similar situation happens, where like someone sort of leads the charge to go after someone that wasn't previously a target, and you see that person either get wind of this and try and reshuffle their strategy, or you know fight hard towards something. I didn't get the sense that Noel had like I kept trying to watch it with the perspective of okay, well, what's Noel's thought pattern here? And the idea of Noel going after Carla to begin with, just signals to me the fact that like Noelle's not great at the game or not as great as I might have thought in previous weeks, which made it harder to root for her 
like they, I just didn't think there was any logic in Noel's gameplay to make it a sort of fun um, David versus Goliath type head to head. It was sort of like, well, Jesse outsmarted her, so it makes sense that she goes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that it was like taking out a really, really big strategic threat um, because Noelle's kind of always been on the outs, even from the early days. I think we've had questions. I still have questions about like where exactly she was fitting in in the past few weeks. Uh, I think that the alliance lines have been like pretty blurred in this episode where I was having trouble following who was voting for who and why and like this original plan of splitting the votes between first Carla and Cassidy and but then uh Carla and Sammy I was like well wait so we have six people on board with a vote split with Sammy and like I thought Sammy was really ingrained with this whole group so like what are these I need somebody to break down the alliances for me because ever since this seven has been sort of toppled I don't know where all the chips fell uh, so that might have been helpful um but Ultimately, I think you're right that, like, I don't think they were taking out a huge, like, mastermind in the game, but I liked seeing it come together. Right. And I do see what you're saying about, like, okay, well, knowing that this was going to be inevitable, the editors sort of chose a different approach to storytelling, which was, let's let's sort of remove the idea that you're going to be gooped entirely and focus more on how we got to the inevitable where we're going, which I do think is a smart approach. I just think that this particular vote did not make that the most like interesting uh, route to go with it. But I do like appreciate that shift in perspective. Um, but to your point about uh, feeling like we're sort of not really knowing who a lot of these people are and, and that the family, the letters sort of gave us that I just began um, Australia season one of survivor, um, which I'm, beyond obsessed with and i won't i will try not to make this a survivor australia season one podcast (laughs) but i bring that up only because there's a really interesting moment that happens in the episode that i just watched which is episode four so you know we're four episodes in and one of the women on one of the tribes reveals the, the entire tribe is just sitting around and they're just you know gabbing as they do and she talks about the fact that she was in this accident Uh, several years ago and she went into a coma for 10 days and they didn't expect her to live and that being here really is sort of her second lease on life and her sort of taking advantage of that and you get these really emotional reactions from the rest of her tribe and it was a really interesting moment to me in thinking about the difference between hearing someone tell a story in a confessional and seeing that supplemental footage versus having them express it in real time and getting the reactions of the other tribe members because I actually found that I learned a great deal amount about the rest of her tribe in those even just like cutaway shots of their reaction and seeing their visible, how visibly emotional they were. I found that to just be such compelling storytelling. And it also felt really vulnerable of her to be sharing that information in like a group setting um, at the tribe versus doing it with a producer straight to camera. So I think that in addition to, so I, I, I agree with you that the letter writing is effective because it's actually happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think one thing that this new era is not sticking the landing on is is ingratiating, or, not, or excuse me, integrating those backstories into how these people exist on the island. Because I think it can play a really big role if, if used correctly. And I, I'm sure a lot of these stories do come up when they're sitting around the fire and just hanging out. And I wish that they would sort of take a letter uh, from Australia or even old school 
American Survivor and allow the stories to come out more organically. I think it would really benefit us because one thing I couldn't help but think throughout this episode was, you know, they're telling us a lot about Jesse in this episode, but I really know nothing about Jesse besides the fact that he's a father and he was in jail and he is strategic. Those are the three things I know about him. I know nothing about his sense of humor. I know nothing about like what he's like. I've never seen him interact with a number of people on the tribe. Does Jesse have a relationship with Cassidy, for instance? I feel like there's so little that's known about these players and not necessarily like big important details, but just small moments that I think can really, you know, build out the audience's understanding of who this person is outside of the game. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that there's the the thing that's missing for me, and I think you're getting at it is what are these players relationships to one another? Because uh, that's where we would find out these things. That's where we would understand Jesse's sense of humor and like how, what, what his conversation is about. And we have gotten a little like glimmers of camp life here and there. Like I'm thinking about when Carla told the the tribe about her dream or like when they were talking about uh that that they speak spanish and that owen talked about you know trying to learn uh uh was it korean um but that like like those are nice to haves but they tend to be in big group settings we're not just seeing like a couple people chit chat so i think that's another reason we don't fully understand what the tribal lines are or like I get that Jesse and Cody are tight allies, but what is their relationship all about? What is it based on? Is it just convenience that they're they're in this game, that they started this game together? Maybe they're like-minded and they've agreed to vote together. Is there anything deeper than that? Because there was a moment where he was talking about, he was talking to Cody and saying, well, look, if if we, if we do this vote split against uh, Carla and it's to try to get rid of Carla's idol or get her out, we're going to lose Cassidy as our ally, and that's going to be really bad for us. And I was like, well, since when is Cassidy your like close ally? Because they did have that conversation with her last week when they were thinking about who to vote off in that, and when they had split the tribes, but but I didn't get any sense based on that that they were going to be like tight allies moving forward. So I do think we could use like a little bit more of like some one-on-one interactions or some groups of three interactions so that we get a sense of like who likes who even. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, where I would say the closest twosome at this point is Cody and Jesse. But when you think about like Survivor Past, I mean, obviously perhaps the most famous for our purposes would be like, you know, your Courtney and Todd and Amanda's or perhaps your Amanda and Parvati's. Like they were so strong allies, like such strong allies. And we got so much time with them, both talking about the game, but just we got the sense that they like enjoyed each other as people. This season, it's like you have these alliances. So for instance, even thinking about last week with like James and Carla and perhaps Cassidy question mark, although we never really got where Cassidy and James stood together. But anyway, that's an example of like, they're a tight alliance, but like, are they? Like, it, or it just seems like they're sort of working together, but you don't get a lot of like, they're not strategizing together per se. And even this week, um, when you have this this um, thing with Jesse and Cody, it seems like Jesse was sort of creating a strategy and Cody was like going along with it. They weren't like together masterminding anything. You just don't really get the impression that this season has a lot of like really tight alliances. Owen seems very free agenty. Sammy, obviously, as they say, is sort of this big flip flopper. Gabler feels like he can go a number of ways. Um, and 
the argument is that perhaps that's kind of an exciting way to play the game, right? If you play it without these strong alliances, well, then how do things shake out? Sure. I can't help but feel like there's just, I interpret it as holes in the editing um, because I have to imagine, you know, people have watched 42 seasons of this game or 41 and a half, um, that they're thinking about final twos and final threes and who they want to take to the fire making challenge. It's odd to me that someone as strategic as Carla, for instance, is not earlier on in the game looking at a Cody Jesse pairing and saying, hey, these two seem to be really close. We got to break that up. And I want to give Carla the credit to say that the reason we're probably not seeing that play out is because there's probably, they're either probably not as close as they're being portrayed, or there are other relationships that are also really close that are not being shown. Like, there's got to be something missing here because I can't help but feel like everyone is just so blind to the fact that Cody and Jesse, more or less Jesse, are calling the shots. That just doesn't feel like these players have to be savvy to what's going on. Well, yeah, and the fact that they brought up Carla this week as the potential target and that out of nowhere, Jesse is like, well, we all know that Carla probably has an idol because she's been searching for beats. Like, this is this is new information. Like, when did we find that out? Uh, we didn't. <laughs> as far as we knew, the only indication we had was that secret scene that I mentioned, I think, last week that, that Carla had tried to sort of, like, bury that by saying that uh, Lindsay went home with the idol on Coco. And so we had no indication that anybody even suspected that Carla had an idol. But all of a sudden, here it is. And then, of course, Carla and James, I think, were the only ones that were sort of pointed out as being a strong twosome, um, although I'm not even sure that everybody outside of Coco saw that. I think they saw them as a threesome with uh, Cassidy. So that was pointed out. But yeah, you're right. Nobody has talked about Jesse and Cody. And, and especially that Carla has gotten so close to Jesse, we're led to believe uh, that Jesse once said that he felt closer to Carla even than Cody. And so it's just odd that I, like, I think it probably has come up and they just haven't shown it in the show. Right. Well, the other thing too, I mean, I, I know we bring this up at nauseum, but the change in the length of the game is really starting to feel apparent to me. So just again, last one I'll do, I promise, but a comparison to Survivor Australia. I'm on day 10 of Survivor Australia and 21 people are in the game at day 10. We are on day 19. At the end of day 19, seven people are in the game. I just think that the, and they keep sort of commenting on, well, the players in this season, well, the speed of the game makes it such for blah, 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 blah. I have, I have no doubt that is true. I imagine, you know, the sped up game does impact how they play the game. I can't help but think what on earth outside of budgetary reasons, why did they make this game 26 days? It impacts the outcome so much. I think it mm -hmm. gives us so many less opportunities to get to know these players. I feel really bummed out. I mean, even read, even seeing those letters, they've been away from their family for 19 days. I mean, that's, granted, that's a long time, um, but I don't think it's the same as getting those letters, you know, on those, the day 30, 31, 32, that, that home stretch when you're really feeling it. This is, it's less than three weeks at this point. It's a little over two and a half weeks that they've been away. I just, I feel like as a viewer, and I would be curious if other people feel this way too, but I feel that that condensed game play out in unsatisfactory ways where I, I want to feel like they feel more removed from society more and that they feel more like 
these are the only this is this new society and that these are this is the entire world that they know yeah i think that when it comes to the 26 days i think what their intention was besides you know like covid like that they had to do it but i think the way they were spinning it was people have to play harder and they have to play faster and in their minds that means more big moves, more big blindsides. And I actually think we're getting the opposite. I think that what's happening is, as Jesse pointed out in this episode, they were like, look, Noelle had uh, uh, Dwight, then she had Owen. And like, now she's getting somebody new. She always has a new number one, and we keep taking out her number one, and then she just finds a new one. It's like, well, back up. Then why didn't you take out Noelle? If if what you were trying to do was weaken Noelle, why not just shoot? for the bullseye here why are you taking out the people around her and i think there's an argument to be made and i haven't fully like fleshed out this thesis but that with that missing day because usually it's a three-day round per week right and i feel like with that missing day you really miss out on a lot of like uh creative strategy where it's like because in order to convince as jesse tells us in order to like bring people in to your plan, you need to get them to arrive at the same conclusion or arrive at the conclusion you want them to arrive at and think that it's their idea or see that it's in their best interest as well, whether it is or not. And I feel like when you're trying to do that in a matter of like two hours between an immunity challenge and tribal council, I just think like it, we don't really have the possibility for that to happen. I think that extra day, which many survivor players have complained about just being like the boring day where nothing happens. I think actually what happens there is relationship building, trust building, bonding. And that's such a key element that's, I think, missing from Jesse's checklist, uh, because, because they don't have the opportunity to do that anymore. That like, I think it's in those relationships that you can actually see actual big moves play out where you can say yes. okay like we, we've been sitting on this for a while like let's do it we're ready to pull the trigger on this huge target yes two things on that one i felt like jesse laying out that strategy sort of annoyed me a little bit only because it was so basic to me it was very survivor 101 of course you want to convince people that they came up with it i felt like the show really went out of its way to portray jesse as like this mastermind when he was laying out for me just the very rudimentary ways in which you play the game like yes it's a smart strategy and it's pretty it's been tried and true many a time by many people who didn't need to like go direct to camera and state how it's done i feel like the show really really is setting up jesse for either the win or the a big you know move in which he goes out but they're definitely situating him as a big character which i think is very unearned because as i said i know nothing about jesse at all besides a couple of factors and then one other thing i wanted to say too was like to your point about that that downtime, I thought it was such a missed opportunity not to see the overnight of the reward because all we got from it was your standard reward where you go off somewhere and have some food. But I feel like spending the night with that comfy, uh, whatever that was, that I don't know how comfy it was, but spending the night there, <laughs> you imagine they're gonna not be talking about game the whole time and you'll get some really interesting moments out of that. I mean, everyone's ostensibly 
probably a little drunk, um, probably in the best spirits. They just read these letters from their family. They established this strategy that in that moment you probably think is like, you know, you're good to go. I feel like not giving us that time with them and not even showing us the reward was just, an, I was frustrated by it. I wanted to see how that played out. I had to, like, those are some of those really fun moments. I mean, you think about Drunk Tom on the reward in, I think it was Africa, but maybe All Stars. Do you know what I'm talking about? All Stars, All Stars. Okay, great. You think about how big of, like, a television moment that was, and it was just so fun. And I feel like, why tell us, why tell us there's going to be this reward that I think is quite significant, um, and then not show us any of it? It just was like, it was a bummer. Yeah, I agree. And I think back even we don't even have to go that far back in history because remember the sanctuary challenge or the sanctuary reward in season 41 is when we got that really incredible, I thought sort of like season defining uh, conversation between <laughs> Shan and Ricard, yeah. where they talked about how like, uh, look, like, I, I don't, we've never promised each other a final two. Like, I don't know that if, I don't know if this is in the cards for us, et cetera, et cetera. And they have this like honest and open conversation about their place in the game. And then Ricard goes on to vote out Shan in that episode. Like, I just thought it was like, that led to so much. And we have the same situation here. Jesse and Noel are both at this reward. Like, let's see how they bonded and then why it either hurts or makes sense for Jesse to then have to stab Noel in the back after, after she gave him this reward, this gift, right, in the right. form of a reward. Right. Also, not for nothing, we didn't even really get shots of them, like, enjoying the food so much, which f further lends itself to our theory that, like, they're just not that hungry. I mean, in the past, it's like, when these survivors show up to a reward like this, they are so excited. I mean, they're often giving a response even bigger than Jeff's, so you can only imagine it. It's really <laughs> theatrics at this point. And we got nothing. They were barely even really eating. Like, you want those shots of them shoveling food into your mouth. We had one with Noelle several weeks ago, I think, right? There was some yeah. reward where she was at yeah, the really merge. Out, at the merge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. but like this just felt like nothing at all. It was just another day of Survivor. And I again, it's like those details that I think you forget that they're even like living on an island at this point because you just don't, you don't see the weight loss anymore. We don't see the fire building. I felt like Jesse looked skinny this episode. And his confessionals against the beach, I thought I was like, whoa, Jesse is jealous. Um, <laughs> okay, fair, but they're not something I picked up on. But like, I, I just think that that them not really making this reward, they really weren't thinking about the viewers in that moment and the sort of tent poles that we want to see from the reward. I think one of my favorite things when I think about those first couple of seasons of Survivor that I loved so much was getting to watch people that are starving finally be able to have some food. It was so like, vindicating like you you really felt it because you know i i think about i uh, tina and and just you know those old seasons and now it just feels they don't build it up in any way at all and so as a result you feel nothing about it yeah and i was promised cheesecake like i don't remember a lot of rewards where cheesecake is involved okay yeah, i don't know how it travels on a hot island i was just gonna say also if you're having <laughs> pizza that's dairy. Think about this, right? So I'm thinking if, if I'm getting this reward, I'm really focused on the wine aspect of it. So wine and pizza, fine. But you're already getting dairy with the pizza, which you know is not going to be great for your stomach after you've been starving for 19 days. And then you're adding cheesecake in the mix, which is like more dairy. And then wine. I just, I feel like it was not where are we, and also I just don't understand like, 
how they like, just give them pizza and beer. Like, make it simple. We don't need to have all these options. Okay, and then one other thing about this reward, which I thought was, like, <laughs> overly designed. And the reason why I don't think that they got the uh, Jesse uh, Noel moment that you're talking about, inviting three people on mm-hmm. the reward was insane. It you was should invite much. one person. One person. When you're down to the final eight, because you... It basically was like a split tribe moment, just as we got in the last episode. Once again, like it's too many people. And it's also now to the point where winning the rewards is a known moment of like time to strategize. Whereas I got the impression in the earlier seasons, people weren't thinking that way. Sometimes you'd be in a situation in which it's like, oh, I actually have this person alone or I can bring someone from my alliance and someone outside of it and we can bring that person in. Like, that has happened before. But I just feel like getting half of the tribe on the reward is too much. And it also seemed like the show wanting to be like, let's get people to talk strategy and we can do that by splitting the tribe in two. Yeah. I mean, I think... I would have been happy with three total, so allowing Noelle to bring two people, because I think three is interesting because you can still sort of strategize and like come up with a plan, but you don't quite have the numbers yet. You still have some legwork to do when you get back to camp. And like, is that going to survive, uh, you know, like somebody's sleeping on what they talked about and then going back to camp and having to face their other allies? Like, right. th- like I think that's interesting. But with four, it's like, well, we can just do whatever we want here. So like, let's, let's vote out Carla and Cassidy, which was their plan. So... So to that end too, it's like when Jesse's like supposed to be so thankful that Noelle brought him, it's like you had a 50-50 chance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like she (laughs) really went out on like a limb here. It's like she chose, you know, it was three of the six and you fell into the, you got in the lucky category there. Yeah. Speaking of going out on a limb, let's talk about the reward challenge because uh, it was quite a show. It was. It should have been the immunity challenge. I wish that things would have worked out differently from a narrative standpoint. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So uh, I like this challenge. I always like watching people get dizzy and they are having to, they they, they keep finding in the new era different ways to make them dizzy. I think they've done three variations on dizziness in 41, 42, 43. Can I pause just to say, isn't the strategy here that you do it slow and steady in winding the thing so that you're not dizzy? Because I believe either that was Cassidy's strategy or that's just how things went. But as if, if you notice, as soon as Cassidy was off the thing, she just barreled down straight onto the, the, the beam. Um, so yeah. she didn't have to waste any time with the reorientating herself. And also when she got to the beam, she was totally good to go. I just was, again, I don't know if that was strategy in her mind or just her being slow, but I was surprised how many people were like, let's go as fast as possible, which I think is not a good strategy. Yeah. I don't, like, even, like, I don't think Cassidy was that slow. She was kind of, like, middle of the pack, but she, out of everybody, just, I'm like, maybe just her center of balance is, like, uh, fluid or something. Like, she just, she was not dizzy. I was very impressed by that, actually. Also, Jeff needing to, like, explain multiple times how the challenge worked at that beginning portion. That's like, the faster you spin, the faster it's going to go. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like I felt like, too, like, why was it a buoy they were 
reeling it like that didn't make sense like yeah, thematically yeah, no. it just didn't make sense <laughs> yeah. i was like they should like they should be reeling in the sandbag and then right. they have to carry the sandbag through the rest of the obstacles right and i felt like the beam should have come right after the dizzying portion because yeah. running through the on that sort of like mesh thing that isn't like not having your balance doesn't factor in hugely there granted I, I know you saw some people that were sort of wobbly at the beginning but all you really have to do is just barrel ahead whereas if you were super dizzy and had to get on the beam that would have been really fun just to watch people maneuver because they're going to fall off i felt like it was an odd order of events yeah and i felt like somebody like owen or cody or somebody got onto the net and just kind of like laid down and like yeah crawled and i feel like that that's a really good way to get rid of the dizziness so you're right i think we need to put the hard thing first easy thing second um but ultimately wait before we even get into the challenge there's a moment with carla and jeff uh, at the beginning of the challenge you know what i was just thinking it's so odd that you didn't bring that up (laughs) the black jeff i'm liking the black and it's like this is why we can't compliment straight men they, because they they act crazy when you do. Um, Je- Jeff had a couple moments this episode, though, for me that were just a little cringe. A little. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, there's this weird thing that I keep thinking they're trying to build with forty three out of these entrance moments. We've seen it happen several times where it's like Jeff remarking how everyone's in such a good mood. Um, I just feel like there's like, they're trying to create some sort of like iconography out of the entrance moment, but it's never quite landing. Like, I don't, I'm from the editor's standpoint, like, I don't know why they included the compliment because it'd be one thing if she said the compliment and it elicited some funny response from Jeff, but Jeff's more or less just like, thank you. Like, it didn't, there was nothing gained from showing that moment. Don't get me wrong, I appreciate Carla for like giving us that. But I'm not sure what the show, like, we, I just feel like Jeff is really struggling to make sense of his role on the whole, but especially in these challenges. You even get those beats where it's like, I got to take back the immunity idol. And then everyone does sort of like, the, oh, do you have to? And then Jeff's like, I got, and it's like, okay, we, like, we, we, we know the beat. I think we can just like, I'm not sure if I need to see the immunity idols being handed back anymore. Yeah. Yeah, same. I think that Jeff thinks that his response to Carla was like funny and cute. Like I genuinely think that he thought it was endearing towards himself. Uh-huh. But that just goes to show like the broader problem with Jeff's sense of yeah. self. Now, I did like the black, I will say. My question <laughs> is, you know, because this is the new era of Survivor, so it's extra, extra hot out. I'm just not sure the practicality of wearing black on the Samoan beach, I would imagine that would get really They're not in Samoa. Where are they? They're in Fiji. They're in Fiji. Oh, wait. Oh, my God, wait. Is Survivor Australia season one in Samoa? Yes, it's in Samoa. Oh, my <laughs> God. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, why am I so obsessed with the location? I was like, why does it seem so different than Modern Survivor and so much better? That makes so much sense. Oh, my God. Okay, well, first of all, take us back to Samoa. There's so much more happening um okay yes well okay but isn't fiji hot too yeah okay it is so i'm just saying i'm not sure the practicality of black but i did aesthetically i did like the switch up yeah it's nice but you know me i'm always i want him to return to the borneo the khaki the khaki on khaki Yeah. yeah yeah okay so the 
real story of this challenge is like we said, Noel sort of coming from behind, not being able to, they, they put this thin balance beam for Noel to cross in which at one point you have to get down onto the balance beam to release the sandbag. And I mean, it seemed virtually impossible for Noel to complete. And we've talked about this before. It's like, do, should they be taking into consideration specific needs of individual players Uh, If they're going to cast somebody with a prosthetic leg, should they be considering that in the challenge design? And watching this, I was like, I was like, this is embarrassing for Survivor. Like, it's sad for Noelle to be struggling through this, but this is ultimately embarrassing for Survivor. And I can't believe Jeff is having to, like, stand here and narrate it, like, as if, like, Noelle's sucking on the challenge or something. And, like, thank God, thank God she came in from behind and won the challenge, because I feel like if that didn't happen i didn't know what the story was going to be of like if we were going to get a heather good for trying like how inspiring that you tried this challenge that was impossible for you to do um i like i didn't know the angle they were going to go with it i was just going to say i had the exact same thought i don't know how to feel about it because we, we talked about this several weeks ago where it's like i imagine you get the sense from someone like noelle that she wants to prove that she can do everything just like everybody else she doesn't want any sort of like i think it would bother her to know that the challenges this Mm -hmm. season were specifically changed in any form to accommodate her i don't think that's how she wants to play the game and i respect that entirely but as you sort of or not sort of as you just said they they survivor got lucky that she won this challenge because had she never advanced past that beam and on, and honestly we could tell this challenge was taking a long time so it wasn't going to be the kind of challenge where it's like oh like she couldn't get on the beam but not to worry like it, it was this was clearly uh there was plenty of time had she not been able to even advance i don't really know how they would have reconciled that narratively at all and it would have been off-putting and i felt like to that end i feel like jeff went really in the other direction once she won um in the like you know you can do anything don't give up blah 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 which is great and it's true um and a better narrative than heather with the i can't Mm. actually complete it but you tried like i at least think that this has um a bow tied on it more but i do wonder what the how they would have handled the conversation had things not gone their way and i also just wonder yeah i mean from i i don't know the answer it's like something i'm but like I don't, I didn't, it's not fun watching her struggle on that beam. And had her, I mean, she got lucky again timing-wise that uh, the limb did not come loose until when she was at the uh, the place where you throw the, the sandbag from. But what if her limb was coming loose while she was still at the balance beam? That's something that's not fair, right? Like she's losing a limb and she can't, and like she would have been completely fucked. And like, what do you do in that instance? Do you stop the challenge, pause it, allow them to like wipe down the limb and, and get it so it's like situated properly? I don't know. And I, 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 and I, I, yeah, but that, that did occur to me. Like they just got, they, Survivor, got lucky in so many ways with how this shook out. Yeah. I thought Jeff had a, a bit of a foot, a foot and mouth moment when she was talking about how oh like the my legs coming off like i'm sweating my legs coming off and jeff's response was you're losing the leg Uh, i thought there was a better way he might have been able to put that given the situation (laughs) but 
Okay, so she does choose uh, Sammy, Jesse, and Owen to go on the reward with her. I thought this was like kind of an interesting choice because, of course, Sammy and Owen are her close allies. They have been ever since the merge. Uh, but Jesse was the weird choice for me because, of course, they did start on the same tribe together. But like I said, I've I don't really have a sense that Jesse and Noel are close in any way. But I mean, her justification for taking him was that he misses his family, which I guess is fair. Uh, but was there a strategy to that? I mean, she certainly tries to pitch something, but was it the best grouping of people that she could have taken? I'm not sure. I'm also just not sure who else she would have taken because I don't think she's I just don't think Noel was really close with that many people. Um but I also wonder too, we're being fed this narrative increasingly, like Owen and Sammy are in lockstep, when it's like, it's just a little revisionist history for me because it's like, how many times has Owen been frustrated with Sammy because mm-hmm. he's been out of the loop? And mm-hmm. despite the fact that they've been on a tribe together from the get-go, they seem to like never be really working together. I mean, even thinking back to the Janine vote, when Owen was like, I'm here for Janine and assuming that Sammy would be too keeping, you know, is it Coco? Yellow's Coco? Uh, Yellow's Baca. Oh, jeez. Baca Strong. Um, So the idea that these two are somehow working together now, I just don't buy it. But then again, it's like, so then you say, okay, well, the show's trying to make it seem like Sammy's this big sort of like playing both sides, but I don't think that there are two sides. I think Sammy's just sort of like going with whatever, but it's not... It's not like there's one group versus the other group. We got several weeks ago this idea of there's this seven against, I think at that time it was like four others, then we never get any mention of that seven again whatsoever. I just feel like there's like a little bit of whiplash where, or even thinking about last week when Sammy, was it Sammy or Jesse who made the, oh, Sammy made the comment about how like Carla's the person that he's like the closest with in the game. And it's like, wait, since when? It's like we get told these things and we're just supposed to buy them. So I'm having a hard time with like Sammy and Owen are a duo when I'm like, I don't think that they are. And I have reason. I think that Owen, I think that Owen thinks that he and Sammy are a duo, despite the fact that Sammy has kind of like double crossed him virtually every week. But do you uh, think that he thinks that they're a duo or he thinks that like he's working with Sammy? Because I don't think those are the same He thinks he's thing. working with Sammy and Gabler. I think the Baca three men are like a group, a, a, a group. They are a group that are talking. Yes, that makes sense. Also, I mean, Gabler is just, I mean, I guess, you know, he had a little <laughs> bit of moment towards the end of the episode, but like, I feel like they like, they they made Gabler a really big character for a little while. Then he fell off. And then this episode, he's just sort of like, what, what's going on with Gabler? Yeah, they're certainly having trouble sort of keeping a consistent uh, like level of representation of all of the players across the board, where like we've had instead sort of uh, players come out and be a big star of the show for like two episodes at a time and then we focus on somebody else so like really early on it was cody cody and jesse and then we shifted to carla it was the carla show and we had like the ellie show and it's sort of just like then they disappear and so like i i on one hand i appreciate that we get to focus in on certain people at certain times but on the other hand 
we're left with this like confusion about what is the broader dynamic? Where does everybody really fit in and how does everybody feel about each other? Because we're really getting focused on individual stories. Even to see in Jesse's strategy checklist here play out, it's like, that's great, but there are so many other people involved in this plan. And are you telling me that they don't have agency in the plan, that this is only Jesse's plan? Why are we giving all the credit to him when a blindside is like, sometimes one person pulls together a blindside, but this really wasn't just his blindside. We saw him come up with this with Cody. We, we saw people buy into it. Surely they were doing work to make sure that all of this came together. And I heard a certain podcast call this plan masterful. And I'm just like, I just don't think like this was... The options are pretty limited at this point in the game. And so I think it makes a lot of sense why they would go after Noelle. And how do you go after Noelle? You corral a group of people to vote for her. And so that's what he did. And yes, he deployed the strategy, which is make people think that it's their idea. Sure. But calling this sort of like this big, it reminds me last week of Noelle's move, which was like heralded by some as like this really strategic move. And I was like, mm, I don't see it as such. Um, that I felt was confusing. Also, sorry, while I'm mentioning this, because we're talking about last week, can you explain something to me? So I'm still confused with the at the beginning of this episode with Carla, with Carla revealing the fact that she knew about the vote because Sammy told her. Mm -hmm. I just don't, had Carla not been in on the vote, it wouldn't have mattered. Now I know we talked about this last week. You said she could have given her idol potentially to James. Sure. But nonetheless, I still, I wasn't sure why this was presented, like, what was the was the idea in this scene that Owen was gooped in learning that Carla knew? Yes, I think so. I think it was once that again. Wasn't, that wasn't connected. I think it was once, well, I don't know that, look, the gooped is the word, but I think the point was that Carla was coming back and saying, so I was not supposed to be in on this vote. I was in on this vote because Sammy told me at the okay, last minute. And then that... I think, I, I think Owen is a little bit like, oh, okay. Like, that's fine. That's fine. But ultimately, what Owen should be thinking is, this is like the fourth or fifth time that Sammy has done this to me that we come back from tribal and I find out he had something else going on that I wasn't told about. I have to believe he thought that. Like, there's no... Owen has proven himself to be a smart player in this game. There is no way he doesn't learn that information, which significantly affects him. Because if you're Owen, you realize... Within Sammy doing that, him and Carla clearly have something going on where Sammy wanted to alert That Owen her. is not involved in. Exactly, and not keep Owen in the loop. Again, it's stuff like that where it's like, you need to, if nothing else, like give us some talking head of Owen either recognizing that or saying that it didn't bother him. Like we need the needle threaded on that because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like you're number one in the game, I'm using air quotes because who knows, but your number one in the game did something to keep you out of the loop and to ingratiate him with someone outside of your alliance. That's yeah. a red flag. Agreed. And I don't, yeah, I, 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 I want to give Owen credit to recognize all of that, but at the same time, this is like, every vote since the merge this has happened and we're not seeing Owen, Owen verbalize that or even like try to come after Sammy in any kind of way. And, and I think that's like one of the tougher things about this season on the whole is addition to in, in addition to the idea of this being like ostensibly an all male season um, you keep seeing like 
women being targeted when there are like a bunch of male threats that aren't even in like conversation about going home. The idea that like the people in contention to go home this episode were Carla, Noel, and Cassidy, it's like it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, like I can't I can't even because we just got this great episode. Like, like well, I have lots to say about Cassidy because, uh, of course, should we have the. Let, let's talk about the immunity challenge because I, I do. I want to like spend. Wait, some but can time you finish your on, thought? Well, I just wanted to say that, like, I think that Cassidy. I think she had a great episode, but I was disappointed in the fact that we got her being the lone female voice uh, saying two weeks ago. I don't want to vote out any more women. This is getting ridiculous. Like, can we not just take out some of these male targets? I'm a woman. I see this coming in on me. Like, soon we're we're like we're a dying breed here, and uh, she's the only person who vocalized that. Yeah, she got Carla kind of agreeing with her, but Carla didn't quite vocalize that. So we had Cassidy vocalizing it, and then all of a sudden she's coming after Noel. Noel's cat. Like, granted, Noel never said. Noel never bought into this. The argument she didn't even know about it as far as we know but like to see them be like okay so let's noelle's like oh, let's split the votes between carla and cassidy and then you know cassidy's back at camp being like let's get out noelle it's like that why why can't like so much for girl power yeah <laughs> and it's like the pendulum no, has swung so far i know after erica and marianne's wins that like we're in a danger zone and it's like not only disappointing that they're targeting that the women are targeting one another, but it's like, there are all these visible male threats in the game. I mean, you have Cody and Jesse who are like, not not attempting to keep it a secret that they are like, together. I mean, they're very clearly ho-hum. Come on, ladies. Let's get in formation. <laughs> it's just, it's a big bummer. It, and I think that it makes, but on the one hand, it's like, this is sort of emblematic of society in a lot of ways so take that for for what you will yeah now i know we're gonna get to the immunity but like but one one question i have um so i'm not sure i'm seeing a path for carla to the end unless the, the the threat level of these guys is finally understood and they start going after one another but we I mean, I guess we got sort of perhaps what's a crumb of what's to come with that Carla Gabler moment. Um, but it feels like if these guys are smart, they would know the fact that Carla has the best jury management out of anyone thus far in the game. This is one of the problems because, and actually, like going back to the uh, women targeting each other, it's like, once again, here's a great example of like, I'm having to read this as like, I'm frustrated that they're coming for each other. Why aren't they working together? There's so few left. Now there's only two women left in the game. Like, that's the perspective I'm coming at this with because I have no other information. And I think if I had that information, like we talked about, that like, here's all of the relationships. If I knew what Noel thought about Carla and Cassidy and vice versa, I might see this completely differently where it's like, oh, they do need to target each other because they, they're like, whatever, equal threats or like they're, they're coming out or they just don't see the game from the same point of view. If I had any sense of that, then this would make more sense, but I'm having to read it as like the women are targeting, targeting each other when they shouldn't be right from my point of view. Let's go to the immunity challenge where they're playing the Sophie Clark Memorial Challenge. 
as I called it on Twitter, which this is the one where she <laughs> demanded Albert pick up her cards after they fell um, when Jeff had to intervene and say, you can't help other people in this challenge. Um, so it's a classic survivor challenge, in my opinion. And uh, so it's fun to see the classics back. And, and not only is this back, but next week, the preview for next week, did you see the challenge that they're playing? We're getting waterboarded. Oh my God. Like I think in our challenges episode, this was on my like high up there on my favorite challenge list. So a very, very excited. You know who would do good at this one? Jervis. (laughs) No, I'm serious because we just, I know, I know, I know he held his breath. I, but you know what? I don't actually think he would do great because, because he is like a little bit afraid of the water. I think like, being under the water and holding your breath is different, different than, than like gasping yeah. for air. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You know who would do good at this one? Brenda. Hello. Um, okay. So I enjoyed seeing this challenge back. It's funny that you mentioned Sophie because this uh, challenge makes me think of Susie in Gabon. I know it's not exactly the same challenge, mm. but it's, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I, and which is the one I prefer, which is that they're having to build the tower, but it's way bigger of yeah. cards. So it's more the only, like, the only individual challenge Jerry Manthe's ever won on Survivor. Wow. Um, by the way, I am watching the Surreal Life season one, uh, starring Jerry Manthe. I wouldn't recommend it, but my <laughs> God, are these air quotes celebrities horrible, horrible to her. Um, they like don't answer the door when she arrives at the house. Like, and then they no. have all these preconceived notions, which they tell her about as soon as she walks in. And MC Hammer mentions to Jerry's face the fact that multiple friends of his told him to slap her when he meets her. MC Hammer, a man of God. It's just, it's, it's truly wild. Anyway, um, so my issue with this challenge is the idea, and I think this played out, where you just kept watching everyone fail. I feel like this challenge is very all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you, the progress that you make ultimately doesn't really matter because you can change so quickly. And I realize that in some senses that's exciting, right? Because it's like you can be really far along and it can all go away. But I think because it was happening at such a pace where it's like, Every time people had a tower, it would just crumble. It made the stakes so much lower. Whereas I think you want something with a little bit more modulation where it's like, it's challenging. It can fall in an instance. I tend to favor the one where you have to spell the word um, in the middle of the thing, Mm. but you have to keep the tension on the rope. Because I feel like that has a little bit more strategy around it. Because you know how we've seen the instances where like the people, they will suddenly realize a workaround. This challenge has no way in which you can really game it at all outside of just patience. And there's an element of not luck, but I mean, yeah, there's just, I didn't find this to be a very strategic challenge. You know what Jeff said in this challenge about luck? Luck came up a few times. Sorry, not in this challenge. He said it in the reward challenge. Luck came up a few times in this episode, but... In the reward challenge, Jeff said, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Which actually, I don't think that's how luck works. Like, yeah. I think that's actually the opposite of luck. Like, hard work and a positive outcome is like the way the world's supposed to work. Right. But it's sometimes like you get lucky where you right. don't have to do the hard, but the hard work, work, work and is you like, still get the good outcome. Right. Like, the hard work in theory does not require luck because you've worked hard. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. Exactly. Luck does not come from hard work. Luck comes from nowhere. Anyway, just wanted to say that. Yeah, I, th- I felt like I was having a hard time following sort of like the timeline of this challenge because we had that really long montage of towers falling. And then it cuts to Jeff and he's like, it's been 15 minutes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, I thought he was going to say an hour. Like, okay. But ultimately, Cassidy wins. Uh, I thought it was a good win. Whatever. And so this really foiled the plan of the split vote between Carla and Cassidy. And then that's when we get this like other the, the sort of like the next plan is splitting the vote between Carla and Sammy. But then that turns into a flip on Noelle. But before we move on, because it was a good win from Cassidy and she's wearing the necklace. We got this message from one of our patrons, Sarah. And she said, did y'all catch Cassidy wearing rainbow striped socks in one of her confessionals today? I'm assuming that they're Mariah's or Cassidy was out here telling us she's family. No, they're Mariah's. I think they're Mariah's socks. <laughs> there's, there's no family left on. Oh, wait, no, there is Carla. Sorry. There is, uh, I was there there's is. no family left on the island. There is. Uh, yeah. No, I did catch that, though. Um, and that's a good... Yeah, it was definitely... And it's like, how did Cassidy wind up with Mariah's socks? They're from different tribes. They never met. That's a great question. But, but, okay, wait, I figured it out. The Merge Beach is the Baca Beach because they haven't bothered taking down the Baca flags. So every time they come back from tribal, it's like, Baca. Wow. Uh, You know what? They should just leave Mariah's socks on the beach. And so it's sort of like a ceremonial, like, passing of the the torch every season. Oh, so we see them in 44. Yeah. Or perhaps yeah. they're the immunity idol. I also oh, do just want to like, mention... It's like the stick on Ghost Island. It has, it has over time, evolved into an immunity idol. Exactly. I do want to mention, too, I think it's a bummer that there aren't any idols that can be found post-merge. Because I do think that that creates an element of, if you're backed into a corner, you have the option to at least go out and look for an idol and try and save yourself. And I think it does a disservice to have there be the idols only in play at the beginning of the game. So it's basically like... The first couple episodes are finding the idol, and then the rest of the season is whether or not it, would be, it can be played. I think it would be fun to have, like, I know with Russell and Samoa, it's like, we got a lot of those, like, later in the season idol finds. I think that would be really valuable at this juncture in the game to say, if you're someone like Carla in this situation, or Cassidy before she won the immunity, like, when you when you think you're in the bottom, what option do you have other than your social game is that you can try and see if there's another idol out there. Yeah. Well, Carla does have an idol, which is why sure. she was the target well, of the vote. You could but have but I mean, there, so there, there has been, and I expect there will be, because remember, this is where Marianne's big like moment came from mm-hmm. in the final tribals, that she found that idol post-merge. There was no clue involved. There was no secrets. There was no beware. She just found an idol in the forest, and she kept it a secret until the final tribal council where she pulled it out and said, I never look at this. I never needed it. There was also the moment in 41 where Danny was searching for something uh, towards the end Who game. Is Danny? And they f- oh, Danny. They fl- Danny. Okay. Danny, winner of the Challenge USA. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was in my, when you say Danny, I think D-A-N-I. And I was like, who is Danny? Okay, oh, right. not, not Danny, but right. <laughs> she Oof. who must not be named. Uh, where was she on January No, so d- there was Have a moment in joke? 41. What's that? Have we made the where was Danny Boatwright on January 6th joke? <laughs> I think we might have. <laughs> I think we might have too. <laughs> I was like, this sounds familiar. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... 
Uh, Danny was searching in the forest in 41 and they flashed something, but he couldn't find it. Uh, so there was something out there. So I suspect there will be something. There was something in the preview about like a boat coming and then everyone's running through the forest. So, like maybe they're getting a clue to something. Um, but at the same time, there's three idols in play. And I don't even know for sure like that. Uh, why is Jesse still holding Cody's idol? He told Noel, like he had that that fake story. He told no, told Noel that when he was strategizing with Cody, that all Cody was doing was asking for his idol back. So unclear whether that's real or or false that like Cody did ask for his idol back. But even still, all three bewares are still in play. And again, this is as we've said multiple times here. I think it's just like a problem with the format of the new era that once these become so publicly known it kind of neutralizes their power because nobody wants to play them. Either they're hanging on to them because it's like a little bit of a shield. People aren't going to vote for me in case I use my idol or, um, you know, it's just like, I just feel like there's less plans you can pull off without the element of surprise. That's why part of me thinks that Carla should have played the idol for James last week. Um, because yeah. I don't see... I think that's how you use an idol now. Yeah, is you exactly. Play for somebody else. Especially because she has the advantage in that situation of having knowledge about the vote in advance that everyone yeah. else thinks she's going to use because she's going to come over to their side. It's like, that would have been the real moment to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. We've talked a lot about the strategy on this, so I'm not going to rehash all of that. Let's talk about tribal council. Where, again, this is like a tribal council where I looked at the clock and it was like 8.47. And so I thought, oh, it's going to be a split phone. Carla has to use her idol or they're going to have to revote. And uh, that didn't happen. Instead, they spent 10 minutes talking in general generalities and analogies. It's like you're buying a car. and You've negotiated the price of the car, but you just don't get to sign the contract. Like, so, but the thing, yeah, the thing I'm wondering though is it's like, okay, I I can only speak for myself here, but like all of a sudden I'm noticing how monotonous these tribal councils are. But my question for myself here is it's like, was this not the case for 40 seasons? I can't help, I never had this feeling until recently when I'm like, what else were they talking about? Like, there has to be so many instances of speaking in generalities, but it's only recently something I'm very aware of and it's really bothering me. I can't imagine that the show was like so genius in how it depicted these conversations for 40 seasons, but it feels particularly stale right now. No, so it has not been this way for 40 seasons. Okay. And I, like, I know that, so we're rewatching Borneo, not a great representation of the previous 40 seasons in terms of tribal council. In fact, the tribal councils are probably worse than they are now uh, in Borneo. Uh, They were very bad. But I think more generally, we we just talked specifics. Like we, we actually talked about events that were happening at camp. We talked about previous votes. We talked about the strategy going into like, yeah, yeah, that gets a little general of like, how are you voting tonight? Or how confident are you? It would come up sometimes. And sometimes you would get these like sweeping generalizations about like survivor is like blah, 
like these analogies. Um, but it was few and far between. And tribal council was shorter, I think, uh, for the most part. And so you had less of them. But it's like in this one in particular, it was like, we're just talking in circles. And so I start to black out. And then I am like, like whiplashed back to reality when like, it's just Jeff making sound effects. I would like, he had the Jaws uh, music a few weeks ago. And then he had like this week, to, I don't know what he was doing. Like, I don't even remember what he was talking about, but he was going, wee, 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 like whatever that was. Uh, I, like, if you want to see I what can't. Sean's referencing, you can go to Sean's Twitter account. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody saw it. <laughs> but it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't see a, f- a future where tribal council is watchable again, but it's just such a, a time waste. We, we're talking about all these things that they could be showing us. Um, and instead we're getting 13 minutes at tribal council of saying nothing drives me nuts. But of course they vote. Nothing is played. Carla does not play her idol and really Noelle long beat home. on Carla there. I was like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> And Noelle is sent home uh, with uh, four votes, I believe. And uh, she gets the hero send off. She gets the special music. Of course, this is also the moment uh, in in new era history where I believe this is the week that Shan goes out with historic or with the heroic music rather. And uh, I think this is also the week High goes out. Yeah, I would say Noelle does not meet the bar of I mean I don't even think she was in contention for mothership but like there's no familial tie at all with Noelle I feel like Noelle had a lot of potential I think Noelle's a a friend of the family I won't give her that but you can (laughs) um I feel like Noelle had a lot of potential I really will remember that confessional where she said she woke up this morning wanting to make a big move I think unfortunately Noelle was more talk than she was action um but I feel like Noelle just really wasn't able to emerge because she never really found the right people to play the game with I feel like even though she might have been with Owen or might have been with Sam and she just never really had a strong bond and even in the moments like for instance we saw her sort of with Janine for a moment she picked that was not the best person to work with um wasn't Noelle with Justine at the beginning of the season yeah yeah I just feel like Noelle constantly was picking the wrong people to to align herself with and at least from the edit we didn't really get any moments of seeing Noelle hanging out with Carla even socially or hanging out with Cassidy or like trying to even befriend people outside of her group. Um, so I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, good luck to her. (laughs) I have a voicemail that is actually a couple weeks old now and I had meant to play it and I was mad that I hadn't, but it asks an intriguing question. So so the comments about the episode are not from last night. I, I, I can't say whether uh, this person feels the same way or not, but a couple weeks ago, Olivia was not feeling Survivor 43 and she's got a question for us. Hi, Sean and Evan. This is Olivia coming to you from New Hampshire. Um, I wanted you guys to give me one good reason to keep watching this damn show because I keep watching it to listen to you guys, um, listen to the podcast, so I watch it to keep updated. And I was watching the last episode and I gave up. I want one good reason to please keep listening and keep watching. Not keep listening. I'm always going to listen to you guys. But one good reason to keep to keep watching this damn show. Love you guys. Thank you. Okay, so I'm asking you to put your Tracy Chapman hat on (laughs) 
and give me one reason. Okay, I think I love this question so much, and I think about it a lot. I mean, I can. My only reason is because of this podcast. I mean, that's 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 the only reason. I don't like this show. I don't enjoy it. Um, I think I just I. This is what I can say, and not just this podcast. It's like I still enjoy listening to recap podcasts about Survivor now as much as I did in at the time, like as much as I like going back and listening to Survivor Historians, for instance, maybe not as much, but I still enjoy the recap culture that surrounds it in the way that like, I love a Housewives recap. I used to love a Drag Race recap. I, I, I would, I'm craving a White Lotus recap. I'm sad it's not me that had that forethought. Anyway, but I like the post-game analysis despite the fact that I think the show is not good. And and also, just to answer the question of like, what's one thing? I don't think I have one thing. I don't think there's anything that I like about this show, if I'm being honest. Okay. Well, However, well, let's, well, let's, rewind, let's rewind for a okay. second. Let's rewind for a second because a, a, a few weeks ago, you had like two weeks, three weeks in a row where you were like, these episodes were great. Okay. Okay. I'm allowed to waffle. I, I no, I, I I agree that you're allowed to waffle, but yeah, I like, think that there are to say that you pe- don't like the show. Period. Is that true? Okay. Or are well, you I didn't like say being period. hyperbolic? I didn't say period. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Perhaps hyperbolic. I'll, I'll I'll take that. I just don't. Th- okay. So let me. Can I amend to say yeah. what I fell in? And I, this is we've said this before, but like what I fell in love with about this show does not remain a part of the show. Mm. Now, yeah. Survivor Australia season one, I am loving. Like, I feel that adrenaline. Like, when an episode ends, I'm like, throw on the next one immediately. And also, my, my last Survivor Australia plug here, but like, I like 90% of the players on Survivor Australia. And I'm like, deeply, deeply invested. Oh my God, there was a medevac that just happened. No spoilers. Hey, spoiler, um, spoiler, spoiler. I mean, it's okay. And I'm just saying, it's like, that was <laughs> devastating. It felt like losing a family member. And this was like episode right. three. Um, yeah. So I just, I ha- I don't connect with the people. And it's funny because I think a lot of people that still support, that are still liking Survivor now, will say that the thing that they like about it is the casting. And I actually would argue that the problem with the show has every bit to do with the casting. And something that we said before, but the lack of villains and the fact that it's just a show about not just heroes, but very like prescriptive heroes. Um, okay, sorry. So one thing that I like about Modern Survivor, one reason to keep watching this show. One reason to keep watching the show, um, I would say, because every once in a while, you'll get a really fun challenge. Oh, a challenge. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not a puzzle girly, but like, I do, like watching them try and get the, um, the 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 sandbag to the top of that tower, I like that. I'm really interested in next week's with the waterboarding. I yeah. still can 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 get off on the challenges. Okay, okay. I think that my reason and and I I feel very similarly to you. Um, so I, I wasn't attacking you, but I I do think like it's not the show I once loved. As I've said many 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 times on this podcast, I wouldn't be watching it anymore if it weren't for this podcast. But I'm glad that I am because I am a completist, and I think that yes. everybody should Except be a completist. Survivor Australia. Okay, I, uh, <laughs> I, 
A completist is not ne- necessarily a sequentialist. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, okay. A completist just means you've seen everything. Have I seen all of Australians forever? No, but I'm gonna. You're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm starting tonight. Oh, good. Wait, can we, can you and I, can we keep updated? We should probably, we should try and sync up. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm going to start. Like, I mean, these are really long episodes. Oh, my God. So, Text like, we'll me see how favorites. much I can get through. So I don't okay. know if I'm going to, like, reach four. But, like, we'll see. My last uh, take on this would be, I think I had a moment in this episode where I, I think, and I think this is informed by the Survivor Australia watch, where I'm ready to let Jeff Probst go from the show. I feel like we've reached a point where Probst is holding back the show from from like growth because I think the show is in need of change. And I think the show's response to change is through shifting the game design. And I actually don't think that's the approach. I think we need new locations. Once again, I think we need new challenges and I think we need a new host. I think what needs to happen is uh, I don't want this to happen, but I think in a world where I can see the future, what would be great to happen is for CBS to cancel survivor and another network a few years later to pick it up, new host, new beginning, full reboot. I love that. I think, yeah. I mean, I think it would be Netflix. We've had it well, with... Or we could go to Paramount Plus because we have the challenge system set. Oh, wait, but that's still CBS. But I still think like Jeff Probst would be the host hmm. and executive producer. I think we need new, we need new staff. Like look at the, look at, look at the Netflix's The Mall. Right. Was it a perfect reality show? No, but it was a lot of fun to watch. The challenges were right. really great. So like, and like, that's a great reboot. And it's We've funny because you it and with... I have talked about the mole. And I think one thing like we agreed upon was like, there were 10 things that weren't working about the new mole. And there were 10 things that were working that really enthused us about the, the potential of this show moving forward. And I think one of the things that's frustrating about Survivor right now is it's like, obviously we can choose the 10 things we don't like. And we could choose 10 things we like, but it would be, we'd be really pulling at trying mm-hmm. to find things. So I'm not asking for like, I don't need Survivor Pearl Islands to be Survivor every season. I realize that we're going to have Rough with the Smooth, but I feel like we're just in a, we're not really in a place now where like a really exciting season could happen. Now, all of that said, season 37 is sort of this remarkable outlier mm-hmm. in the fact that that is an incredibly modern season. It's only a few years old and it sort of checks all the boxes. And I think it's Survivor 37 that gives me hope that, and again, we've always been working towards the Legend season, which we think could really be it. And honestly, at this point, Legend season's only a few years out. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that the we need to, there's a lot we need to retool, but mainly it comes down to casting. Yeah, agreed. And so uh, to finish my point, which I started so long ago, is that like as a completist, I think that I think that there is value in seeing something through to the end, no matter how far off that end is, because I just think that if you have invested as much time as you have, and I know this sounds like Stockholm Syndrome or something when it comes to Survivor, but you've invested so much time in this thing that you once loved, I think like it behooves you almost to continue on with it. And even if it's bad, like if I want to be the person at the party where if Survivor comes up, I can explain to the person why they're wrong for liking it, even if they're still watching it. 
<laughs> or or like or pick out those things that are still good about it or like where it went wrong or like what it could do to get better again like i think that there's like value in being informed in what you're talking about and even if that means suffering through an hour each week uh like i think it's worth it for me yeah and the other thing i would add too is it's like what great show that has a lengthy run doesn't decline in quality. I mean, think about those last two seasons of Friends. They are impossible. I thought you were going to say Desperate Housewives. Great example. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer has a decline. Sex in the City has a decline. I think that it's only natural that these that these long-running shows over time start to deplete. And not for nothing, this is an unprecedented run for a reality competition show. So I think, though, what we're getting at is like, there's more it's not that there's no gas left in the engine it's sort of like we wish that they would be oh wait i don't want to make a car metaphor excuse me step <laughs> off of that um it's that the, i just wish that the, the show would retool itself in different ways than the ways it tries to retool itself that's what i'm yeah. getting at agreed agreed Okay. Hey, this could be a fun thing for if if people want to leave me a voicemail on like give, give me one reason under a minute. Oh, give me one it. reason oh. to keep watching Survivor. Also, do you want to let? I mean, we can talk this out, but we should do a mailbag episode for yeah. the last week of the year. So, if people want to leave us mailbag questions, beginning now it can be anything. It doesn't even have to be Survivor related. True. Let's talk. <laughs> you want to talk Lotus. about the White Lotus? Let's talk them all. Let's let's talk about them all. Yeah, I like that. Okay, start the mailbag entries. I have some old ones from just random things, but there's only a few. So like, send them on in. Let's not talk about Survivor 43, though. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, with that, let's wrap this up. If you want more Drop Your Buffs, head over to patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs, where we are continuing our Borneo rewatch. We are in the post-merge now. game is ramping up the pagonging is starting it's very fun so we've got that and more going on on the patreon make sure that you're following us on instagram at drop your buffs pod if you go to our instagram and you click on the link tree link in our bio you will find a link to our merch uh, our drop your buffs logo tees which are very cute and comfortable Um, those are for sale now so get them so you can put them under the tree for christmas (laughs) okay <laughs> okay anything else we need an emoji ah uh, can i can i be shady yeah let's do the empty battery um <laughs> it's uh it's clear with a little red at the very bottom and it has a lightning bolt on it. it's clearly a battery and it represents um <laughs> my feelings about <laughs> season 43 Although to wow. your point, I was I, hey, there's some juice in the battery. Is there a half full battery? No, there's not. There's a mm. full battery and an empty battery. Why don't you? Oh. Why don't you comment an empty battery if mm. you're feeling like Evan oh, wait, today, wait, and what? a full battery if you're feeling like Evan three weeks ago? Also, not for nothing, I'm gonna crunch those numbers from <laughs> several weeks ago. It's on my to do to do list. Great. So for the finale of 43, we'll have what everyone was feeling in the middle of 43 <laughs> ready to go. That'd okay. Great. Green full battery if you're vibing. Red empty battery if you're not. I like this. This is fun. Yeah. I like that. And then you can crunch those numbers too. We'll get them in. Yeah. The well, you know me. I'm always me in the math. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.